0: 18 we don't know what we're good at i didn't know that i was good at teaching things right or i didn't know that i was good at at food or being creative but then you know you feel obligated at that moment to decide what are you going to do and why do so many people end up with degrees um that are not in the field in the career that they end up with is because like you said young adults feel or they feel the pressure to decide right away you know what explore different things you know Explore you might be good at something that you don't even know yet when you're 17 or 18. So I, I echo what you're saying um, Try everything especially when you're young, you know, do not be afraid to fail uh, There's a there's a quote um, that says, you know, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail and um, it, that I'm not sure who said it, but it was one of the foundations of the company that I work for and my CEO wrote that on a shirt and it sticks with me to this very day what would you attempt if you knew you could not fail right we should treat all of our journeys that way give it a try if it doesn't work out hey let's go back to square one and try again right
1: back to square one and try again absolutely try and try and try again and i think it's a real important drive that home to our young people man just like give it a go try and you actually found like so much later, way past 18, that you had a gift not only to teach and communicate, but also to cook. So this is probably the perfect time for us to see. Thank you, Chef G. Gaimana. He's got a bit of a dessert prepared that he wants to share with us today, all the way coming to you right now from the state. So I think he's gonna be set up, he's gonna have cameras sort of. what have you got for us, bro? Excited.
0: Yeah. So we're gonna I'm gonna use this dessert term very, very loosely because You can make it into something very sweet, but today we're gonna think a little bit healthy, um, but still amazing, savory, and good. And it's great cold, it's great hot, so it'll fit both of our hemisphere temperatures right now. And I know it's in New Zealand, it's that beautiful weather right now. Here was our first day of snow in Maryland, so it can work either way. So I'm gonna tilt the camera down just a little bit. You're not gonna see me, but you are gonna see my knees on bus. And today, we're working with a very, very cool um, piece of produce called butternut squash, right? Butternut squash is so versatile. Um, it's a really, really great, that's yeah, a great flavor, but really versatile and open to absorbing spices and other flavors you wanna add to it. So today, we are going to make a coconut butternut squash soup. You can make it sweet, so it's more dessert-like. You can keep it savory as I'm gonna do today. You can have it cold, you can have it hot, so it works all seasons, actually. Um, What I've done is I've done some pre-work. I chopped up some of my uh, butternut squash into cubes, and then I just put them in a pot of water with a little bit of salt, uh, and then I am going to strain that right now, so you're gonna see my strainer right here. Why did you choose this recipe? Was it because it was easy, or do you have this around Christmas? Uh, it's both. Uh, actually, it's something that I really created just for the restaurant a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I love the Polynesian aspect of adding the coconut milk to it because it's a very, very unique take. Butternut squash soup is not unique, but the way that we're making it today is with that little little bit of Polynesian slur by adding coconut milk. So you're going to see here that I have my um, my butternut squash right here. And I'm going to add it to my little, you can do this in a blender. I have like a little mini blender that you can use to make smoothies in. And I'm just going to add about a cup of it right into my um, blender here. So again, it is about a cup or so of some cooked butternut squash. Right. Ugh, it smells so great. Okay. Now, to that, I am going to add some coconut milk. I have the coconut milk right here, and add that in probably about a half a cup or so, and then I'm going to start by pureeing that. Yeah. get it nice and mixed. I have a little blender right here on the side that makes it so easy. So,
1: hey, um, Chef, where, where does Kaimana yeah. come from? I know your name was Dan-
0: Daniel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my first name is Daniel. Kaimana came from my mom, and Kaimana is English. In Hawaiian means diamond. Kai and mana meaning power and ocean as well. Forgive me for the loud sound, and I get that mixed up. let this see. Did you say to me now, that it was snowing this morning? Yeah, it just snowed for the first time um, this season for us.
1: Oh, you're gonna have to give us a little, a uh, little uh, show through the window, bro. Later, if you can think of a spot, yeah, You want to see what it's like where you live later on? Yeah,
0: <laughs> absolutely. So now here's where you get to play with the consistency of the soup if you like a thicker soup you can um put a little less coconut milk if you like it uh a little bit more loose then you can put more coconut milk really to taste now i'm gonna season this with allspice it's a combination of cloves and cardamom a little bit of cinnamon in there as well so i'm just gonna put a little bit of that in here a couple of pinches, right i'm gonna give that a nice mix right here in my smoothie cup and then into my bowl it goes. This really nice bowl here. Yeah, yeah. It's looking Christmasy now. Right, and look at this. Now, for a nice garnish, I have a little bit of parsley. Set that right there. Some pecans. Right on top. And then for Pequen. a little bit of spice, For a little bit of spice, I have some chili oil, homemade chili oil to go right over the top. And then I'm gonna hold this up to the camera. Look how quick that was. I mean, the longest it takes is to cut your to cut up your butternut squash and then boil it. Is that it? And then here, this back up again. Is that's, super
1: That's it. Draw it. There we go. Oh, yum. Right? yum, 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 yum. Yeah, I'm gonna give I it won't. a taste. Yeah, taste it. Of
0: course, must. <laughs> <laughs> it's really great. It's disgusting! Disgusting! <laughs> <laughs> like ah, yuck! <laughs> So, Beautiful. <laughs> so a cake, and i'll send the recipe to you alex so that you can post
1: it um along with our uh, along with our video yeah man and what do you, i love the chili oil there at the end just adding a little bit of heat because i love the spicy food i mean you mentioned before when we were off here that
0: you had gone to czech republic um do you remember the food there what was it like there oh i mean yes I, you can email well i was 16 the first time i went there and, you know, for the first time, I was exposed to things like, um, you know, a different type of dumpling, peach dumplings. I found that they ate some of their meats, their cold cuts, with, with sweeter things than uh, I was used to. Um, but lots of sauerkraut, just like they do in Germany. So a lot of pickled cabbage and things like that. Um, lots of heavier gravy food, things like that, and stews. Um, yeah, it was, it was in... Amazing experience for a fifteen-year-old from Laie and Haula to experience the Czech Republic. The amazing thing, and I had a wonderful host family there. The the crazy story and how this came full circle is that was in nineteen ninety four that I went there. I Had a host brother and sister. We lived in a small town called Jesnik, which was in the mountains. Right. Um. Fast forward to not last yeah two thousand and I think it was two thousand and nineteen. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, I think last year I was a featured um, speaker at a, um, at a tech conference there, um, doing a cellular agriculture of basically cell grown chicken. And, um, I was invited to speak at this conference and my host brother was, who has a career in IT was speaking at that same conference. And that's 20. I mean, what, from 1994 to 2019, 25 years later, I got to reconnect with my host brother and my host mother, and it was such an incredible full circle thing in my life. It was amazing.
1: Wow. I mean... Yeah, I mean, maybe we're getting old and we're getting a little bit nostalgic type. but I know, I I hear what you're saying. It's almost like a validation of your journey. And I think just to see people there who you shared such a huge part of your teen experience. I mean, I remember going to the airport to drop my cousin off. She was going on a uh, exchange from New Zealand over to the States. And, you know, I look at her life now and she shared how those experiences and, and for back then, it was the early 80s when she went. And it was like unheard, it was still like big for any teen to go overseas, but for a salmon to be allowed to go overseas, to go and live away from home experience, I mean, yeah, it would have been so huge. I mean, sorry, I was gonna talk about the soup, but now that you've on, this is awesome. I mean, what was that experience like? I mean, what did you guys talk about? I mean, did you guys review about what it was like as teens growing up and how far you had come? I'd love you to yeah. tell a little bit about that for a moment. Yeah,
0: I mean, absolutely. I mean, first of all, when I saw my host mother, you know, here's, first of all, when I first went to the Czech Czech Republic, you have to realize I I had never really been outside of uh, the country at that point, except for like a marching band trip to Japan. But I learned this lesson that, that we as Polynesian teens, a lot of us don't learn, now New Zealand is huge. Hawaii is not that big, right? Our island is not that big. And so, you know, it's a small world, you see the same people, and especially if you're on one part of the island. Now, when I went to the Czech Republic and I made these strong connections with the teenagers there, there were Czech teens there learning English so they could come to the US. And then I was a part of the the first delegation to go over there for a cultural exchange. Now, when it was time to come home, Alex, I did not, I I had connected and shared so much of my life and, and my culture with these people. And I felt the same way, right? So when it was time for to leave, I, I cried and cried, to be honest. And as I was walking to the train station to go, one of the biggest lessons I learned in my life, I realized in that moment that there are people you are going to come in contact with in your life. There are people you're going to care about, that you're going to endure this amazing exchange and connection with, and then come to the realization that you might never see them for the rest of your life. And it wasn't until I was so far away from home that I realized 99% of these people I will never see in my life. They've given so much of themselves. I've given so much of myself. And this will be it. So, for that realization to happen in that moment when I was 15 years old, it was probably something that we don't think, people don't think about. We don't think about that in Hawaii because it's so small. You never think you're never going to see somebody. So, I learned that lesson on my own with nobody around except for me. And my tears. So it was an incredible lesson to learn though. And now I navigate life. You you cannot hold back giving of yourself and making those connections, even if you think you might not see them again. Now, as luck would have it, and my crazy life would have it, how serendipitous it it is sometimes. I got to reconnect with my host mother. I got to hang out with my host brother, take them to dinner, and, and just talk back and be nostalgic about the experience that they had hosting a Hawaiian, right? You know, and then the experience I had learning about a whole new culture. So it was a long yeah. way that I had to go. but um, yeah, it was incredible.
1: Yeah. And it would be, it's always interesting. I love meeting people later, even on this platform, like talking to old high school mates, it's almost because you're much more older and you're a little bit wiser and you can take the hits. It's so funny talking to each other and the things you can laugh at yourself and each other that if you're 17, 16, you wouldn't just be like, you know, all hurt and, you know, it's, it's, so, it's so real, the feels. But, you know, it's nice to reconnect in that way and realize that, you know, you're both on a journey. And we talk a lot about, journey here in this place and what i see with you is that you've really like taken the bull by the horns is a saying that i i am um, heard and one thing that what you just mentioned was i picked up a saying which was a season a reason in a lifetime and that was what is explanation for uh, relationships and and how you see the world because we talk a lot about the individual how to you 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 and which is important but I always like to contrast that and balance that with, you know, we are our own individual person. And yes, we have that autonomy and right to like grow up. But we actually function within a collective, even more so as specific people. So we have to connect with people because we're social beings. So we we can't like do our journey alone. And I love what you brought about how, you know, we never know whether we're going to see those people ever again. So being able to utilize every connection and relationship in a, with a positive outlook. So when I meet people and I'm just going to like, the relationships are new, I'm always thinking, oh, well, it's either for a season or for a reason or for a lifetime, you know? So it allows you also to relinquish that relationship. Like when it comes to an end, like leaving the Czech Republic, I remember the same thing, leaving Samoa recently after being there for like four, four and a half years. And I'd made some good connections there, uh, but I had to like, relinquish that knowing that okay well that was for that time and we'll see what happens now and then hello a year later i've like spoken to more people on this platform and and connected with more you know very variation of people from across the world than i ever would and i wouldn't i don't think that would have happened if i was still caught up in like holding on to to you know what was in samoa so it takes courage i guess to be able to step out and and start new relationships
0: absolutely 100 percent
1: I totally agree. <laughs> I wanna I wanna like come back to your time in, in high school. We talked about all the positives and it's like a nice little glowing sort of review we've overcome. You've been overseas, you come from Hawaii, I mean hello, Hawaii, like you're like I can make complaints, no complaints, you can't have any complaints because you live on a tropical island, the tropical island. Um, but the reality is is that no matter your area code or the geography, being a young person and a teen is still just as difficult within your context as you know it. So I'd love to take a moment just to kind of like, you know, allow you to just um, out, you know, unpack and um, share with our audience today, who, yeah, are here to, you know, enjoy your lovely um, recipe I, of the soup. And I'm definitely gonna try that because I definitely got coconut cream and I can buy one of those, uh, try that. But I mean, what has it been like for you from teen to now? I mean, we, we've heard all the highlights, share with us some of the more i guess the, the challenges i like to say the yeah, challenges yeah. that you have to face um and draw out a few learnings for um i guess for our you
0: know i'm absolutely right so um like every every you know everyone goes through struggles like uh my parents were very young when i was born my parents were 14 and 15 years old uh, when i was born and they had my sister two years later so my mom was still going through high school uh, while, when I was born, and so that posed a challenge. And then a week before she would have graduated from high school, she was killed in a car accident by a drunk driver tourist uh, in 1980. So my dad, uh, who was at the time 18 years old uh, and is now a widower with two kids at such a young age. So you know, you know, you can imagine that it took both my mom's parents and my dad's parents to help raise us while my dad was grieving and fighting himself. Um, he did remarry and then he had more, you know, more children and I have half siblings um, from another stepmother who raised me. And I think that in itself can pose challenges, right? You you start off at a very young age coming from a blended family, right? And you're navigating that. And my stepmom did an amazing job taking care of my sister and I who, you know, we weren't her, her real children. Um, my stepmom and dad then later divorced and my dad remarried again and had more children. So our family grew and, um, and became more blended and mixed. And I, you know I, we didn't have the traditional um, we didn't have the traditional upbring in that sense, right? We are raised by in, in most Polynesian families, we were raised by our uncles and our aunts and our grandparents. Um, but even more so coming from this blended family where my parents were very, very young. And so, you know, I think one of the struggles I had was identity as a kid, sort of watching, um, I'm going to date myself, but, you know, like watching the Brady Bunch and the Partridge, you know, like things or um, Leave It to Beaver where you you feel like families are represented, especially back then in the 80s, right, in one way. There's only one template for a successful family and how it should be. And Dad comes home and mom has dinner ready, you know. Well, unfortunately, in Hawaii and a lot of, um, Polynesian communities both parents have to work right so as I got older I took on more responsibility to take care of my siblings while my parents were at work or while my father was at work and so as Polynesians and me being the oldest of nine kids you can imagine that that came with, with its own struggles right I was responsible at a young age for the welfare and the well-being of my of my siblings uh, Later on in life, of course, those types of lessons only can benefit you. But, you know, in the moment, I wanted to do things for me. I wanted to get a part-time job after school, but I couldn't do that because I needed to take care of my siblings. I wanted to be in every club and, and you know, participate in every extracurricular activity. But, you know, my priority was to take care of my my siblings or my sister. And um, I think that that might have been one of the bigger challenges as I navigated. And, you know, also, my, my parents come from two... Um, different religious backgrounds my mom my mom's family being Mormon and my dad's family being non-denominational Christian and as a as a young person navigating the line between accepting both of your families and that both of them have great teaching and both of them are you know are good people and, and good-hearted without you know listening to one side or the other as a competition I think that was another identity crisis that I faced and I I think though it made me a more accepting person, right? Accepting of the non-traditional family, accepting of people come from religious backgrounds that are all different and we can accept that, right? So I think then it led to my own understanding of inclusivity, of accepting that the world is different and that led to another big lesson I learned in my life is that you cannot go through life experiencing other cultures and then judging them by the norms of the culture that we grew up with. I think it's an important lesson, right? You can't go to another country and judge them by how you were taught and what was acceptable in your, in your upbringing. Um, you have to really be open-minded. And growing up the way that I did, one of the benefits and one of the residual effects of that is being able to understand not everybody does it our way. Not everybody does it the Hawaiian way or the Samoan way or the Chinese way or the Filipino way. They do it a different way. And the different ways is what makes the world this amazing um, place with rich culture and diversity. So, um, yeah, I think those were the lessons learned coming out from losing a mother so young and having to navigate that. And then, you know, navigating the different identities of my family as well.
1: My guest today is executive chef uh, from a modern Hawaiian restaurant in Forston, I hear Uncle's Hawaiian. You're also ambassador for Eat Just, a cutting edge food tech company. And for the past five years, you've been traveling to over 30 countries to advocate for the Just product line, promoting sustainable, delicious, and healthier food products. But hey, just hearing what you've just shared i know it's amazing i mean i love every interview i must admit i mean this is almost it's not even it isn't my job but it's like so fulfilling like having these interviews because as i said in the start it's amazing hearing people's stories because it is it encourages me you know i'm not even a teen, but i feel empowered through hearing what you've had to come through and overcome and push through and i just don't even think that i would have been able i believe that i couldn't have been able to handle it. i mean, you and yesterday i had a dj here um freeman Davy, who i went to high school with and him and his partner they're a mixed family i've had people here who um you know grown up i mean i have a guest next daryl um tonight he's like our seven kids and i was like getting prepped for that and you just throw it out there at nine i'm like what so That's you know awesome. it's sometimes we we think that our unique um life is sort of like only us so no one knows i mean just hearing what you've shared losing a parent at such a young age traveling overseas such a you know having to sacrifice your desire to want to be in a part of so many clubs but having to fulfill your role as an older sibling having half siblings all of that oh my gosh i mean how does a 16 year old like you know, process that i mean you've talked about even being in in dual religion and belief systems i mean what were the core I guess values or foundations, cornerstones that got you through. If you had to like, I don't know, make a list of two or three things that you think. now nah, look back hindsight. What were you know? Was it a sense of self? Was it your self talk? Was it men- mentorship? Was it you know finding your passion? These are things that other guests have mentioned. For you, what would you say are the core parts of, when you look back at all of those things that you had to go through up to like mid-20s, because it, it's still a life journey, but I mean, what were those things that you can draw out that you think would call yeah. for
0: you? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we have this saying in Olero Hawaii or in the Hawaiian language, a ohe ike ho which it means, uh, literally it means, not all knowledge resides in one, school right so if we kind of unpack that and and what it's trying to say is you can learn from multiple sources right like not I mean that applies to my family coming from dual religions right not all knowledge is in one place essentially so more open-minded you can be and that has been a mantra of mine since I started learning Hawaiian culture and hula and all the way to even taking it into my into my cooking career because I did not go to culinary school. I didn't go to formal school, right? I learned outside with my grandpa in the umu, right? I learned inside with my grandma on the stove. I learned with my dad fishing at the ocean and cooking on the beach. I learned with my aunt baking in the oven. So my school was different than the traditional path of you know going to culinary school, working on the line, working the real me all of the you know, it's a different path. But Again, not all knowledge resides in one school, right? So our paths can be unique and they don't make them less of a path because learning comes in so many modalities, right? Uh, And that that definitely is number one. I think the most, the underlying lesson learned from my family, and I think this is true with a lot of Polish cultures, is uh, putting others' needs before your own putting other people first. It's, it's the crux of the Aloha spirit. Uh, it's the foundation in which our cultures are built upon is looking out for your fellow man, putting, um, putting others first. And so I would think that, you know, that has helped me navigate um, to where I am today, a couple of the tools. Yeah, like just getting out of your own head,
1: like I think it's probably the easiest, quickest lesson. I do not mean this in a negative way, but when you're a teen and when you're a young person, of course, understandably, it's a lot of time in your head, sitting at home, but you're just, the brain is constantly like putting up all these signs and asking these questions. And they're always about you and how do you look? How do you feel? You know, and acceptance of those around you. And I, what I do love about um, many cultures, collective cultures, is like drawing, like removing the eye so much and having an outward perspective and others focus and getting out of your own head because you get yourself into trouble. And, you know, it's a fine balance. Like, yes, you need to be like, putting yourself first aspiring and 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 confidence to do what you want to do and knowing when it but you also need to know when it becomes i guess that line of when it's unhealthy and when you're like now you're actually is becoming uh you know a negative or it's holding you back or preventing you from a new and positive thing so another great point that you've like unpacked for our young people to consider and also for parents because i think these little interviews remind us about oh that's right i was like that actually i didn't have it together like sometimes it's like oh my gosh why do why is this my son and my daughter do this and we had a hello just for a moment like so many times when i'm talking to my friends like bro you're exactly like your son man what are you talking about like yeah, take it yeah. easy you know and he's like trying to like make his son this perfect, not perfect but protect them and wanted to take all these positive we need to remember what it's actually like so it's hard work it's not easy um but these sort of chats really do help now i mentioned just before about you being an ambassador for um just eats which is like sounds really like you know you're trying to take the joy out of my christmas season um, you know sustainable healthy you know but all the chefs have mentioned thus far, including jesse and charles about you know eating a little bit of fats okay eating in moderation healthy food i mean why are you an ambassador for this and and how is it how is how is food um, sort of evolved for you from, you know, we kind of like, this is what we eat. We've always eaten this and yeah. changing that mindset. I mean, yeah. So yeah, share a little bit about food and I guess that, that healthy aspect. I think we need to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So I've been working for Eat Just about five years now. Uh, and and the, the foundation is basically that healthy, sustainable food that's good for the planet should be accessible to everyone. No matter... What your economic position is, you should, you know, healthy, good food should be affordable and should taste good, and I and I think that's important. You know, as Polynesians, uh, a lot of, we we eat a lot of processed food, a lot of spam and 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 corn beef and things like that. And you know, like you said, everything in moderation. Can you have that once in a while? Yeah, but can we add more things into our diet? And can we teach this next generation that um, comfort food? uh can be healthy so you know when i fall back on comfort food that's the food you know that my my mom or my grandma would make when i'm sad or something that reminds me of home you know we we probably think of not the most healthiest things right mine would be like pork and beans with spam or or sardines out of the can. you know it's great to have once in a while but imagine if we taught our next generation you know that the the comfort food that they fall back on was something you know like a delicious piece of fruit that we did a little something to and added some spice and sauce here, and that was the thing that they craved when they're having a bad day. That in itself could change um, just the way that we eat. You know, as as the underdeveloped world becomes more developed, the demand for premium meats and um, and, and premium foods is going to go up. And you know, we don't we have to take care of our planet at the same time as we're eating from it. So keeping all of that in mind um, is something that makes me feel proud to work for a company like Eat Just, which is changing the face of the food system so that more people can have access to healthy, sustainable, affordable um, food that's good for our bodies and good for the planet.